Sometimes to understand what real self-love is, it's an unconditional knowing of self as whole and complete. To know of yourself, not believe, but to know of yourself as unconditionally whole and complete. Meaning I don't need to go prove it. I don't need to go earn it. That I can just be whole and complete as I am. That is what true self-love is. A lot of us believe ourselves to be inadequate or not good enough or faulty in some way or unlovable or unworthy or undeserving. Not totally on the conscious level, but it's there and we can feel it in our feelings of insecurity and when we compare ourselves and when we judge ourselves and all of that stuff. And so to really get clear on the flip side of self-love so that we can start to make work movement in the right direction, I'm going to ask you a question that really gets to the heart of what's going on. So here's the question. I want you to answer the question with your survival brain. So here's the question. What are you most afraid other people would either find out or decide about you? What is up everybody? My name is Emily Jane Saroff, but you can call me M. I am obsessed with all things spirituality, business, and personal growth. I started the Empower With Them podcast at 21 years old whilst I was studying my Masters of Architecture at uni. It is fair to say that this podcast catapulted my life in a direction I never imagined possible. Soon after starting this podcast, I dropped out of my degree, quit my nine to five and started my own business and in just eight months of starting, became a six-figure CEO. Inside of this podcast, I share insights into the realities of being a 20-something-year-old CEO, along with actionable tips to help you unlock your true potential and create a soul-aligned and impactful life and business. So pull up a seat, put on your headset, and get ready to get empowered. Welcome back to another guest episode on the Empower With M podcast. And I swear I always find the best guests to come on because uh, there is some really strong energetic alignment here that I'm so excited for the conversation we're about to dive into today. Now I'm going to give you guys a brief little intro onto who today's special guest is, and she is the founder of Always On Purpose. She is an executive leadership coach, author, speaker, and facilitator working with organizations such as Airbnb, Salesforce, Roku, LinkedIn, Facebook, and more. And to top all of that off, she is also the author of the best-selling book, Living on Purpose. Now, I'm so excited to talk to today's guest because she lives for making the invisible visible in what it really does take to thrive. She's a coach. She coaches leaders and teams on all things growth, transformation, and flow, and her expertise is conversational intelligence. So she spends the majority of her time in sessions and workshops focusing in on the medium of communication and how to optimize our conversations so we can thrive together. So this is definitely going to be a juicy chat that we have today. And in saying so, I'm so excited to introduce you all to uh, Amy Eliza Wong. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Emily. This is, I'm so delighted to be here. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm so excited to have you here as well. So obviously I gave a a bit of the bio intro, but why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners more about yourself, Amy? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've been coaching for over a decade now and definitely didn't start off life thinking I would be doing this. It's really interesting how everything that I've chosen led me to this, but, you know, backing up, I, I have just, I've been a human that's fascinated with all things 
consciousness studies and just the bigger questions about life. And when I was a little kid, I was just so enamored with just the big philosophical questions. And my grandma and my mom, very metaphysical. And I lived for hanging out with them and talking about how thinking was causative and just what thriving meant. And I just, I would totally geek out on that stuff. And so starting at a young age, really quite spiritual, I stumbled upon Thich Nhat Hanh's book about mindfulness in fifth grade in the library. And that just kind of blew my mind and set me on a path. So just very hungry for the big conversations and also really hungry for, and I think really what it comes down to is like hungry for that search for truth. And that's what led to my very, very big passion for math. So I studied math at college. I got my degree in mathematics. And what I found was, you know, at that stage of my life, when I was so immersed in that field, I really loved teaching it. And what I started to realize was that, wow, you know, I love math, but I also really, really, really love partnering with someone to help them really close the gap between where they are and where they want to get to. And what I recognized was that I was really good at being able to listen for what they didn't know that they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that was a challenge. And I actually picked up on that pretty early. It was actually in high school. I was like, wow, you know, they think this is kind of a skill of mine. But interesting. So that just in the background, kind of honing that skill and really technical, worked at Sun Microsystems for 10 years in tech. And then it was after Aiden was born, my first child, that I was like just blow, blew me open to really coming to know myself. And I realized there's so much more here that I'm not attending to. There's I'm not attending to all of me. So I went back, got my master's in transpersonal psychology, having no clue what I was going to do with it. It just sounded amazing. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, that I realized, oh my gosh, it was a search for truth. But it's just the other side of the equation because, you know, with math, it's very objective. With Mm. something like transpersonal psychology, very nonlinear and very subjective. And so very rigorous study there, too. And then, boom, the blend of that together just lended itself perfectly to coaching. So it kind of feels like I've just been on this path I didn't realize. But it was like, woo, here you go. And I'll tell you right now, I just I feel like I get to live a miracle every single day with the kind of work that I do and the conversations that I have. And so, and I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh, I love that as well. It sounds like you're a problem solver, right? Like math <laughs> is just a whole heap of problems. Um, so it's really just, you're a professional problem solver. I'm really damn good at it as well. <laughs> I, love. I love that frame. <laughs> So you mentioned that you've been in the coaching space for 10 years now. Like that's, that's pretty awesome. I'm only about a year and uh, just over a year and a half of my journey through there. So what I'd love to know is what has, how has that 10 years been like from a perspective of your own growth and evolution? Because what I've experienced in the past year and a half is that coaching and like being in business is just the biggest growth journey that you'll ever go on. So what has that experience been like for you across the past 10 years? Oh my gosh, I have grown so much in, in this, just having done this work, you know, and I founded always on purpose in 2010 and really got it off the ground in 2011. And I'll tell you, it's, you know, you think it's going to be one thing and you think you're going to focus on one thing and you think, you know, what it is that you do. And I found that, you know, getting off the ground with coaching and I was doing a lot of life coaching at the start. Like I thought, 
I really knew what I was good at and what it was about. But it wasn't until I had probably about 100 unique clients, hmm. not 100 unique, not conversations, but when I got to the point around 100 clients, it was then that I was able to say, ah, this is what I do. And so it was, and as I'm going through these conversations, it was, I was also crystallizing my ideas about how things work. Right. So, cause I've always had that big fascination on like, how does this work? What's mm. life about? What are the principles for living the good life? And so in all these conversations, I'm constantly evolving these pictures of what I think is true and what works and what doesn't work. And, mm. you know, and I would say that I'm still a work in progress and I'm still, you know, molding and adapting to what it is that I'm learning from others and experiencing. So it's been a mm. tremendous, tr a tremendous journey of growth. And the biggest part though, I'll tell you, Emily, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur <laughs> ever. <laughs> I'm the type of person that's like, okay, I want the security of a job and like, just that sounds great to me. let you hold all the risk. Thank you. I would like a 401k. That's great. And um, my husband is the like just quintessential serial entrepreneur, very successful, multiple mm -hmm. businesses. And I just, I'd always laugh. I'm like, yeah, that's so not me. So you, so not me. And here I am like a, a total entrepreneur and business owner. And it's just funny because I'm like, wow, I never saw that one coming. <laughs> I hear so many people saying that, like, I never, I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur. And the next minute they're uh, leading figures, you know, within that space. And um, I love that. I think that's, uh, that really speaks divine timing and just, you know, going with the flow and just trusting that wherever you end up is where you end up without placing heavy expectations on how things are going to be unfolding for you. Yes. I mean, that's the key. It really mm -hmm. is that non-attachment and, and also in how you navigate. And, for, you know, a lot of people have a plan and they're like, okay, that's my plan. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to achieve it because that's a good idea. And it's going to get me to a goal that I think makes sense. And so we map out these business plans and we figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then we wonder why it doesn't really either happen in the way that we want, or it doesn't happen, or it's mm -hmm. just hard. And it's in really, it's because we're not feeling it out. And so mm -hmm. in my book, actually, in Living on Purpose, I, have, I offer five, the subtitle is Five Deliberate Choices to Realize mm -hmm. Fulfillment and Joy. And one of the first tenets is to feel it out, don't figure it out. Because if you want the path of most abundance to the path, the path of least resistance to the path of most abundance, it really takes you feeling into what you want versus, you know, going on a path of what you think you should be doing. And mm. it really all is predicated on being clear on, okay, this isn't about what do I want to achieve? This is what do I want to feel? And yeah. this is probably one of the most important questions we can be asking. Um, and we're not. We're asking, what should I do? Mm. What should I achieve? But the truth is everything we want, everything we think we want, it's not for the thing. It's not for the number. It's not for the title. It's because we think it's going to make us feel a certain way. Mm. And so really bringing that into awareness and, and say, oh, you know what? This is actually about a feeling. And you start mm -hmm. navigating in that way. That's when all of a sudden you could, you could say divine timing. You could say trusting the flow. It's a lot easier <laughs> when you feel it out. Yeah. Something that I 
find is a bit of a challenge when it does come to feeling it out rather than thinking it out is when you're comparing yourself to what everyone else is doing and your ego starts to take over and then you're like, oh, okay, I my ego wants me to achieve this, so I'm going to chase that and you lose sight of that feeling. So I'd love to hear from your perspective, like if someone is struggling to fully embrace that feeling and is so stuck in that place of thinking, how can they make that shift? Oh my gosh. Well, first get the book. <laughs> I, I break it all down. Make it Link it in the episode description. There we go. There we go. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's, you know, there's a lot to this conversation. And I would say that, you know, we first have to really kind of wake up to this idea. Oh yeah. Right. Huh. Everything I do want is a feeling. Yeah. You know, this whole health journey. Yeah. I thought it's because I wanted to fit in a certain size. Actually, no, it's because of the feeling I think I'd have if I fit in that certain size. Oh, wait, I want this number. Oh, no, actually, it's big. Right. And so it first takes really being honest with yourself about what is most important. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are stuck on that very um, standardized narrative that, that all of us have been conditioned to believe, which is, you know, it's about being successful. Get good grades so you can get into a good college and university so you can get a good job so you can make lots of money and then you're going to be happy. And so we get caught up on this kind of false ideal that it's about this, you know, I want to be successful. That's what it's about. And so we kind of have to detach from that very ingrained narrative and then get curious. So it's like, okay, well, then what do I want to feel? And then get granular. Because I mean, we all want to feel good, yes, but that, but that's not that's not helpful. What's helpful is to to go one layer deeper. It's like actually, I want to feel spacious, or I want to feel impactful, or I want to feel connected, or I want to feel meaningful, or I want to feel love. It's it's going to be slightly different for everybody. It's all going to be some form of good, but we want to start to wake up to that. And then when we really realize, actually, uh, yeah, what I want is peace of mind, then we can start looking at, wow, and I've been so hellbent on chasing this plan that actually is totally in spite of peace of mind. It's, it works against that. Wow, I am chasing this ideal that is stealing away my peace of mind and my freedom. And what I want to feel is that. And so we can start to detach the tentacles of that habit when we really just wake up to what's true. Mm, I love the way that you word and like piece things together. It really paints like such a clear picture in my mind. And I know it'll paint such a clear picture in all of our listeners' mind as well. But what I sort of take away from that and something else that I've really learned from my own experiences as well is you want to find that feeling detached from like that thing, the achievement, right? Like you, if you want freedom and you think that money is going to bring you freedom, you need to find freedom without having the money because otherwise when you do make the money, you're not going to have the freedom anyway. Right. So I'd love to know, like, is there anything more you'd want to share on that before we move forward? Wow. So for sure, you know, it's, I think the natural next question you know, if this, if this concept or this idea is interesting, usually the natural next question is, okay, well, how do I feel it out then? Like, what does that actually mean to follow my feeling, to feel it out, not figure it out? Because yeah, it's one thing to be very clear about what I want to feel, but then what does that mean for my day-to-day -day navigation? What does that mean when I am up against a dilemma? And so what I would say is 
to really live into the path of least resistance to the path of most abundance is Mm -hmm. to really honor first just our feeling state as as this amazing apparatus that gives us a lot of information, right? So mm-hmm. our feeling, like what we feel in a moment is telling us so much about what we're focusing on, telling us so much about how we're focusing. It's just, it's, there's so much available to us and really mm-hmm. dropping into like, what is it that I'm feeling right now? And so if we can care more about how we feel and let our feeling be our guide, then what we do is as we go through our days, we're reaching for the thing that makes us feel most expansive, that makes mm. us feel most uh, alive, right? Because right. I feel like with most choices, there's going to be a choice that gives you <sighs> this kind of relief feeling. And then there's going to be the choice that makes you feel like this. And it's got a little <laughs> tense and your little t- And it could be that the tense feeling is a really good idea, but oh my gosh, this is figuring it out because I can just see the strategy and I'm going to, and I'm going to figure my way into this and that. And it's like, oh, it's super exciting. But the thing about figuring it out, it feels really frenetic and busy in the head and lots of energy. And it can feel good because you think you're onto something great, but it's constrictive and you can feel it. You feel it in your chest. You feel it in your face. You feel it in your head and it's subtle. But when you get really good at this, you can, you can tell that and discern that from, mm. oh, and there's this expansive feeling and, mm. you know, in, in this model of really going about the, the path of thriving, when we choose the thing that makes us go, oh, that's when flow, that's flow, right? Cause when you constrict, you're jamming up flow, but if we want flow that gives us access to ideas that allows us to take disparate ideas, bring them together and come up with brilliant solutions, we need that bandwidth available and so that's when it feels like magic starts to happen because ooh, then oh look at this and I didn't think of that and oh and wow I ran into this person what a coincidence and it really feels magical but it's really that you're allowing for flow Mm, I absolutely love that and I'm really eager to dive deeper into that conversation around flow as well Um, but before we do move forward like coming back to that um, connecting to your feelings and, and detaching from that place of thinking, 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 it really comes back to like needing to develop a lot of self-trust and self-awareness. Hey, yes. like going in and understanding yourself so then you can understand your feelings and also trust that your feelings are guiding you in the right direction. Because I think, you know, you go through school and you go through uni and you go through society and we're always taught to just think, think, like think with your head, think with your head. And there's never that emphasis on thinking through your feelings. And I think for some people, that's something that does come more intuitively. Um, But it is a bit of a practice at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Is there anything uh, in particular that you do to strengthen that uh, trust within yourself and that practice? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what you're saying is spot on. I mean, this isn't something we're taught in school. And in fact, Mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of us, depending on our age, we've been taught that you know, shove our feelings. Don't know, you know, don't emote, don't feel this, don't feel that. No, you're not sad. No, you're not angry. And so we get these mixed messages about the things that we do feel. And so then it's easy to kind of shut off to these, to these indicators. I think of emotion as indicators, as information. And it's, I think it's all beautiful and all very valuable. And you're right. It does take, in order to do this, it takes a willingness to kind of be with yourself in a new way. Right. And it's going to feel a little uncomfortable if you're not used to being with or allowing emotion. It's going to feel 
awkward. It might even feel unwanted. So it takes a bit of giving yourself permission. The second is self-awareness. So then you have to get curious. Okay, well, what is this? What does this feel like? What's happening in my body? And so actually on my website is on my resources, I have a practice that you can sign up for a really simple text practice. It's very simple. So you, mm. I send you uh, texts that are random that will kind of send, you'll get a text where it's like in this moment, okay, in this moment, like what's going on for you right now? And so it links you mm. to a very quick, like to kind of an assessment where are you in your, like, where, what is the feeling, where in your body? And so what I have found is that when we can good, get good at, in a moment, just stop and check in, like, huh, yeah, no, the energy's in my gut. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling really buzzy in my head. Oh, my arms feel a little hollow. Oh, you know, and then, or more so, like, wow, you know, I think I'm feeling really apathetic right now. Oh, you know, I'm really thinking I'm feeling kind of demotivated. But to give ourselves literally a moment, which just takes a couple seconds to stop and inquire, the more and more we do that, we build that awareness muscle. And it can be really powerful because that's, that's going to be what helps discern amongst all this information that comes through. Yeah. Mm, I love that idea of those random text messages. This needs to be an app that you uh, need to work on developing actually, because uh, I feel like that's a really great practice just to get into that habit of self-awareness because it is something hard to sort of like just check in with yourself especially when you're so in like the hustle and bustle of the day so um with that text service is it international or, or like specifically you know, great region? question emily i i don't know i mean i'm here in the u.s i'm in the, i'm in the san francisco area i think it's a u.s based number but i i have heard this before you, amy make the app the app would be yeah. like, okay you know what i think you're the straw that broke the camel's back okay i'll do it <laughs> stay yeah, well, there's tuned a, there's this new app that recently came out and it's like popping off at the moment it's called be real and basically like it's an instagram in the moment thing where you and all your friends get a message all at the same time and you have two minutes to post an instant photo of yourselves just doing what you're doing. Oh, and when you said that you had like that text line, I was like, oh, this could be like be aware or like be, be, feel, <laughs> be feel instead of be real. That's right. Be feel. Oh my gosh. That's brilliant, Emily. That's amazing. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So I want to start to shift the conversation back to this topic of flow that you did bring up um, because you did mention, you know, obviously achieving that sense of flow in your life. And I know that's something that you do help a lot of your clients with as well, particularly through looking through the three lenses of self. So would you mind sharing a little bit of insights into that? Because I haven't even myself heard of the three lenses of self. So would love yeah. to learn more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So flow is a really, really big topic. And I mean, and and I would say by and large, most people kind of resonate like and they get what that is, you know, because I mean, Emily, have you had that experience of flow? Have you ever felt? Oh, like, yes. Yeah. And it feels amazing. Yeah. right? Yeah. And it's like all cylinders are firing. There is no drag. You just have loss of time. You have insights. It just it feels magical. And, you know, mm -hmm. we can tap into that way more often than not. It's not a mysterious, magical process. And there's so much, there's so much out there, especially right now, there's a lot of science and there are some authors out there that are really doing the good work from a scientific standpoint. Mm -hmm. I really come from a, and I, I, I address this from a, um, a cognitive sort of psychological standpoint. And the way I talk about resistance is, is this, so I'm going to break this down. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Let's imagine that every emotion you could feel is mapped on a vertical scale. 
okay? Right. And in the middle here is neutral. And if we look above neutral, these are all the positive emotions increasing in positivity. And then below neutral are all the negative emotions increasing in negativity, okay? Right. Now, everybody wants to be above neutral. That's just humankind. Mm -hmm. And you want what you want. You do what you do because you think it's going to make you hang out up here above neutral. Mm -hmm. And that's why we set our goals. That's why we want the money because we think it's going to make us hang out up here. Okay. But what I am going to propose is that everything below neutral, none of us really like to hang out down here. And in fact, yeah. when we are down here, we, we try to change things and we do things and we attempt things in order to get back up here. That's mm -hmm. just kind of how it works. So now what I'm going to propose is that everything below neutral whether it's as mild as confusion or it's as intense as rage, mm. all of this is caused by one thing. And when you get this, it is a game changer. So here mm. it is. What causes any negative emotion from this all the way down to that is this. Here you are in your now moment. And as soon as you resist what is, in any way, shape, or form, you push against reality in any way, shape, or form, boom, you drop below neutral. So mm -hmm. all negativity is simply resistance to what is. Mm -hmm. And to the degree that you push against reality is to the degree of your negativity. Mm -hmm. And so now we have to ask, well, what is this resistance? Well, resistance obviously is overt resistance. Like you get in the car and you want to go somewhere and all of a sudden you hit traffic and you're like, ah, right. We would think that it's, it's traffic that causes negativity. No, that's not true. It's your relationship to the traffic. It's your pushing against. So that's mm -hmm. overt resistance. And that's going to put you down in frustration, maybe even anger, but resistance mm -hmm. is a bit more subtle than that. Right? So resistance is judgment, judgment of self. I should be different right? I'm pushing against myself. Judgment of others. You should be different, right? Thinking that there's a way you should be. Judgment of circumstances. This should be different, right? I'm pushing against reality. Anytime we're doing that, we are, that's resistance. Anytime we are fearing anticipated future states, right? When we're peering into our future and then we're not wanting an imaginated future state, like that's resistance. And anytime we're regretting the past or think that's, that's resisting, that's re resisting the past. That's still resistance. When, mm. And you mentioned this earlier, when we're comparing ourselves to others, that's resistance of self, right? Mm -hmm. So all of this is resistance. Now, why am I talking about this? Well, because we're talking about flow and what's the opposite of flow is resistance. But I want to mm -hmm. think about this more objectively. Let's imagine that you know, you've got this, everyone has this bandwidth here for, for flow. And this is our channel that, that has resources that flow in one direction out to the world. Now, ideally, what we want is 100% of our resources occupying this channel, this bandwidth in one direction in one unimpeded way. And when 100% of our resources are flowing in one unimpeded way, that's flow. But here's the thing. Here's this channel. And to the degree that you've got resistance, to the degree that you are judging yourself, that you are pushing against reality, that you didn't wake up early enough, and now you, oh, I should have meditated, and I should have worked out, and oh, and this, and I should, to the degree that you've got resistance in your equation is to the degree you shut off that, that degree of flow. And so you've only got this much here of your bandwidth. And mm -hmm. so when I'm talking about flow, I'm doing everything I can with people, workshops. It's like, what do we need to do to blow up in that bandwidth? 
how do we drop this resistance to what is so that we create more flow? Because when we have more flow, we've got more resources. When we have more resources, we can come up with really good solutions. We can Mm. innovate. We can have wide perspective and we can take disparate ideas and bring them together. And oh my gosh, amazing solutions. Mm. But when you're, when you're eating up your own bandwidth, you don't have capacity for that. Yeah. So that's, that's really the way I like to talk about and think about flow. I love that. And what I'm going to do as well, because I know there's a lot of visual cues there. I'm going to make sure I grab this chunk of the podcast and put the video explanation onto Instagram so that everyone can go and like see the full visual explanation there. But that makes total sense. And I love that you compare, oh, like you do that comparison of flow versus resistance. And when resistance is present, it's because judgment's present, whether it's judgment of yourself or judgment towards others. And that makes a lot of sense because when I talk about resistance a lot in business, you know, we're talking about resisting like that next level of expansion and and we resist that next level of expansion because of that self-judgment we're putting on ourselves of, oh, but I can't handle the expansion. I'm not good enough or I'm scared of it. I'll fail. I can't carry it, like all of that. And so that just makes total sense what you explained there. So I guess I would love to know, how do we begin to release that judgment and release that resistance? And um, as you were saying, like expand our bandwidth. Yeah. Well, I love this question because it's a perfect follow on to what we were talking about earlier, which is Mm -hmm. feel it out, don't figure it out. And and this is actually great because in, in my book, choice number one is feel it out, don't figure it out. Choice number two is really the secret and the, the trick to your, or the answer to your question, really. Mm-hmm. And so here, here it is. You have to choose to know that there is no way things or you should be. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to focus on is the word should right now. Mm-hmm. And what I propose is that should is truly the worst word in the English language. Because there's so much going on underneath this word that nobody really examines. But when you do, you're like, oh my God, mind blown. Why do we do this to ourselves? So check this out. You know the word should, right? And I'm certain you know how it feels when you should on yourself and others should on you. Like, oh, you know, Emily, you should make your bed every day. Oh, Emily, you really should call your mom. Mm. Oh, you know what? You should eat your vegetables. You, you should have gone to the gym. How does that make you feel? Mm right? makes you feel heavy, guilty. Mm -hmm. It's all resistance right there. You're like, oh. And so then you have to ask, well, should according to who? And then you really think about it and you're like, wait, hold on. Okay. So should implies that there's this fixed reality out there that represents the standard ideal, the good life. That if you're going to do it just right, if you're going to have the good life, you got to do it just like this. Mm -hmm. But The truth is there is no standard ideal. There is no big book in the sky called the big book of shoulds that (laughs) we need to align ourselves with to have the good life. But we operate as if it does exist. And then we hold ourselves underwater to this imaginary ideal on our own. And we do it to ourselves because like, according to who? Um, Me. But uh, wait, why would I do that? And so truly waking up into a life of non-resistance starts with really deriving for yourself. I mean, don't take my word for it. You got to derive for yourself that there is no way things should be, period. And if anyone's listening and going, well, hold on, wait a minute, um, we shouldn't kill each other. I'd say, all right, 
okay, I'm going to get a little, little philosophical here. So the truth is we don't know anything about existence. I mean, yeah. like, I don't even know if you're real. My perception says that you're real. I've got five senses that pick mm-hmm. up on this sense data that tells me that you're real. And we are in agreement that you're real. And I appreciate that. So we've got that agreement. But do do I know that you're real? I, no, I don't know. At the end of the day, there's really nothing I could ever say that's truth other than I exist. Right? Yeah. Okay. So if that's the case, which I hold that it is, then there really is no truth out there. So what do we do? We make agreements. Ah, yes. So we're in agreement that we don't kill each other. I love that agreement. We're in agreement that we're kind to one another. We're in agreement that it's all about growth and joy. Great. But is it a truth? No. And Mm -hmm. so if this resonates, then we can say, okay, cool. Well, then there is no way things should be. There's just the way they are. There's a way I'd like them to be, but there is the way they should be. And so there's that big difference between what should it be versus what I want it to be. And that's a whole other big, lovely conversation that's part of this. But again, it really, to do this right, to do this and to have fun with it, you have to let yourself off the hook that there's that there's some way you got to go about it because it just does not exist. So the Aligned Coaching Academy, it's really the best option that you can take in order to finally hit the ground running towards seeing that massive growth within your business. The Business Academy is really the only program that I know of that can teach you how to grow your business to those consistent 10K months without falling victim to the hustle culture. So if you're ready to finally be turning your passion and purpose into real and scalable profit, or if you've been building a business for some time but have been feeling quite stuck and as though you're not seeing the level of results you wanna see, then keep on listening because if you are serious about getting the clear step-by-step strategy that you need to build a six-figure business for yourself, just like what I have done and do so in the fastest manner possible, then this academy is 100% aligned with you. So if you are interested in taking a look into this opportunity, exploring what the Academy could offer to you, then what I want you to do is head to the episode description of today's podcast and click the button that says, join me in my Aligned Coaching Academy, okay? I love how deep and philosophical this this conversation is. Like, I can the episode's not even out to my audience yet, and I can already tell they're loving it. Like, they're absolutely <laughs> like I just have this feeling. I'm like, wow, my listeners are going to absolutely be going crazy <laughs> over this conversation because I'm sitting here absolutely loving it. And I think that was really powerful what you shared there about. Um, the should. So I guess what I take from that is really start to explore what your relationship is with should. Where do you, oh, where yeah. is should coming up in your life and your vocabulary and your beliefs and all of that right now? Oh, yeah. So then you can move forward and you really can release that re- resistance. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that is what, one of the biggest unlock for folks is just waking up to the presence of should in, in their life. And it's not, it's not so much the word, right? It's the energy of the word because you know, sometimes you'll use the word should in a really, really awesome, powerful, fun way. Like, for example, if we're getting together for girls night and I'm like, hey, you should come join, like come bring that bottle of wine. Like, that's all good, right? We like that energy versus, yeah. oh, 
I should have studied more, right? Or I should have taken care of this earlier. I should, I should have worked out this morning. I should blah, blah, blah. It's, it's so that's an energy, but you could also say, ah, oh, oh, I ought to have blah, blah, blah. Or I might, so it's, so we might be using different words and again, it's, it's the energy behind it. It's generally encapsulated by the word should, but the moment we decide to wake up to its present presence, it is mind boggling. And it's almost, it's almost a little depressing because you're like, oh my gosh, my entire life is dictated by this false ideal. Holy yeah. moly. And I am, I am keeping myself under neutral. I'm doing this to myself. I'm hanging out in anxiety and frustration more often because I am totally shooting all over myself. Oh my gosh. And it's really eye-opening. Yeah. Mm, I absolutely love that. And again, like this just comes back to your relationship with yourself. Yes. And I know that's something that you help so many people with as well. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about that and how um, our relationship with ourselves mm. does influence and does impact our experiences. So oh. um, is there anything that you'd love to share on that? Oh my gosh. How much... Girlfriend, how much time do you got? Because get that bottle of wine. We got lots to cover. This is, it is the conversation. <laughs> no, I love this conversation because it, it really is the ultimate conversation. And what I'll start with is that, you know, this relationship we have with ourselves, it, 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 it almost starts to sound cliche when we say that. It's like, oh, relationship with ourselves. It's, what, I, it's, what, what I'm really referencing is it's, how we regard ourselves like what what are the beliefs that i hold about myself what do i believe to be true about myself what do i know to be true about myself what is that what is what what is that relationship with self and we could say you know it's one of self love it's one of adversity it's one of tension it's one right so all of us have an interesting relationship with ourselves if we're human we're going to have an interesting relationship ideally it's going to be one of self love you know cuz we get on some level that that's really positive and helpful we don't really know why and then we're, but the reality is mm, but i berate myself and i'm really hard on myself and then i'm really critical and then i actually judge myself and then i compare myself mm -hmm. with others so all of that is really symptomatic of a wonky relationship with self. Now, that relationship forms the primary lens that we are looking through out to the world hmm. because everything that we perceive and experience is ultimately a, a projection of that relationship we have with ourselves. And so if we want to improve the quality of our life, if we want to improve the quality of our relationships, if we truly want to live the good life, it ultimately has to truly come down to, well, what's this relationship I have with myself? Because how I, how because this is going to dictate everything in my perception, how I interpret what I believe, what mm -hmm. I do, what I think, what I say, all of that. And so it's it's like I kind of alluded to jokingly, is this is a really big conversation. And that is ultimately why I wrote Living on Purpose, because many of us are taught that, hey, if I just move the pieces around of my life, if I make more money, if I make these changes, all will be well. And I'm like, actually, it all really kind of comes down to this. But what the mm. heck does that mean? And so I've done a lot of work to help people see that, oh my gosh, self-love is not a cliche. And in fact, there is some very objective, very tangible ways to approach and think about this, to shore up this relationship so that you are truly clear seeing. Yeah. Mm, 
I love everything that you just shared there once more. And something that really uh, came up for me is that a part of, I guess, a problem that can arise is when we're not aware and we're not conscious of the relationship that we actually do have with ourselves. That's when um, our reality starts to manifest things that aren't in alignment with what we want. And I think through business in particular, like business for me has been the biggest um, deep dive into my personal development journey. And um, that's brought to my awareness and my consciousness so many different elements of my own like self-love and relationship with self that has been unconsciously manifesting things that I don't actually want into my life as well. So um, I guess then when it does come to developing consciousness around your relationship with self and actually taking steps forward to develop a greater sense of self-love, what would some good Mm -hmm. first steps be um, for someone to take? Oh, great question. And I would say you know, sometimes to understand what real self-love is, right? And I'm going to frame it as this, and I really break it down in my book. So it's like, you'll get it, but I'll frame it as it's an unconditional knowing of self as whole and complete. Mm. I really want you to think about that. I mean, to know of yourself, not believe, but to know of yourself as unconditionally whole and complete. Meaning I don't need to go prove it. I don't need to go earn it. That I can just be whole and complete as I am. It's like, whoa. Like that ultimately is, that is what true self-love is. Now, in order to get that, in order to really start to understand, well, what might that reality be? It's sometimes helpful to see the flip side. Because if that's not true for someone, which, and let's be honest, it's not true for many people. A lot of us believe ourselves to be inadequate or not good enough or faulty in some way or unlovable or unworthy or undeserving. Not totally on the conscious level, but it's there and we can feel it in our feelings of insecurity and when we compare ourselves and when we judge ourselves and all of that stuff. And so to really get clear on the flip side of self-love so that we can start to make work movement in the right direction, I'm going to ask you a question that that really gets to the heart of what's going on. So here's the question. Now I'm going to kind of take you through this, Emily, and I'm going to ask you as a, you don't have to answer it out loud, but I'm going to encourage everybody to reflect on this. I want you to answer the question with your survival brain. Okay. Meaning I'm going to answer this question. I'm going to ask you this question and you're, you're probably going to get this and like immediate gut reaction. It's like, and you'll have an answer, but then your brilliant part of your brain is going to come in and go, yeah, no, 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 no. But here's, this is not right. And here's why and it's going to try to talk you out of it. So just for now, don't listen to that part. Just get clue into that other part. So here's the question. What are you most afraid? Other people would either find out or decide about you. Mm -hmm. What are you most afraid? Other people would either find out or decide about you or maybe even think about you. Now you don't have to answer that right now. But chances are you got an answer in your head, right? And for most folks, they'll have an answer, something about, you know, and it's going to be a different flavor of inadequacy. It's like, oh, I'm not good enough or they're actually not, not as smart as people think I am or that I'm mm. actually not as capable or that I'm a loner. Or it, we, we come up with like, mm, I wouldn't want them to decide or think that or to figure this out. But then there's this other part of us that goes, yeah, but, but that's not true. And then we talk ourselves out of it. But I ask this question because whatever you come up with that makes you feel icky, the reason it makes you feel icky is because that's what you believe about yourself. 
Mm. And you don't want others finding it out. Because the bigger story that maps to rejection, which maps to pain and death. So this is all, we break it down in the book, but just for you to hear right now, to get to the root of what's going on and what's holding us back, we have to get really honest with ourselves about, wow, what is it that I believe about myself? Because it's not done consciously. No one was going to, I mean, it's not common that people are going to walk around. I mean, they do. People walk around and say, yeah, I believe I'm not good enough. But it's it's not the, at the conscious level that's really kind of mm-hmm. holding us back. It's what's running on under the surface there. And so that, it's a huge part. Waking up to this is a huge part of being on this path to mm. true self-love. Mm, I feel like this conversation is so aligned with what I'm working on myself with my own spiritual growth right now. Um, Because what my response was when you asked that question was the not good enough one. And I feel like, you know, everyone, everyone feels that on some sort of level. Um, But for me, like I very much have been um, developing a consciousness around how that deep, sense of just not feeling good enough drives me to work towards certain goals in business or try to prove myself to certain people or to even like sabotage you know things that might be going well within my life as well and so I love how um yeah I just love that question that just really really landed for me there oh you know I I am delighted and all and the you know to take this further the whole thing about the need to prove ourselves free from that actually is a trap because mm-hmm. the, 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 when we continue to try to prove ourselves out of it, we're, con- yeah, we're actually solidifying the belief itself because mm. pro- beliefs are predicated upon proof. I mean, it's all conditional. And so it's, it's, there's a lot to it, but it's, that's another way to kind of clue into this relationship is just how much do I feel the need to prove, prove that I'm good enough, prove that I can do it, prove that I'm valuable, prove mm. that I'm smart, prove that, uh, you know, I deserve having a seat at the table that need to prove is, is very, very Mm. revealing about what's going on. So I'm sure there's so many different ways to go about it, depending on the individual, but how would you like guide someone to releasing that need to prove themselves? So then they could be free of that. So I'm going to take you through a thought experiment because it's interesting. It's, it's, it has to be a choice that's See if you can follow. It has to be a choice that's unconditional, meaning you you have to get to a place where you just choose it unconditionally. And so let me kind of give you an example of what it means to 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 perceptually feel like what it is to prove and to not prove. So I'm going to use the topic of gender because I think this is a very powerful topic and I think that this is a very appropriate topic. And so it's okay, Emily. Do you, Emily Jane? Is it Emily Jane? You can edit this. I like, well, I'm like, it's Emily, Emily Jane officially, but yeah. you can call me M, Emily, Emily Jane. Okay. okay. I hope you don't mind. I'm like, I'm just calling, like, wait, I didn't even actually double check that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Great. So, you know, so talking about gender, I, I gather that you, you identify as female, right? You know yourself as female, correct? Yeah, correct. Okay. So, you know that. And that's something you know, deep down. And so because you know that you don't believe it. Now there's a big distinction here, and this is the secret. There's a big distinction between believing and knowing. And mm-hmm. what I'm telling you right now is, you know, your womanhood, your femaleness, you, you don't believe it. And in that knowing, there's a lot of freedom because mm-hmm. in that knowing, when you wake up in the morning, you don't get dressed and you don't do what you're doing to 
prove to the world that you're female. You do it because you do it for other reasons. But there's Mm -hmm. no part of your awareness that's saying, okay, wait, I want to make sure they know I'm a woman. Okay, I want to make sure they know I'm a woman. And there's no part of you that wakes up and goes, oh, gosh, I hope they know I'm a woman. Oh, I, gosh, well, if I wear this, are they going to think I'm a guy? And so there's Mm -hmm. no cognitive resources going in that direction. And in fact, because you know you're a woman, if I were to hop on this podcast, because this is the first time we're meeting each other, and I say, Mm -hmm. you know, Em, I really think you're a guy. You'd be like, what? What? And, and you wouldn't be triggered in the least. If anything, you'd be amused, but you wouldn't be triggered. And the reason you wouldn't be triggered is because you know what's true. And even if all the evidence is, well, you know what? I actually think you're a guy. You'd be like, wait, no, because I know what's true. And mm. so notice how when we know something, there's no need to prove it to the world because we know it. Mm. And we have a lot of we have a lot of bandwidth available to us in that space of not needing to prove. And so I use this as an example because, you know, I think you'd ask like, what do we do to kind of get on the other side of proving or, and, and I say, well, it just, there has to be a point where you're like, okay, can I claim, can I just know that I'm whole? Can I just claim that I'm complete? Can I just, can I just know that? Not because I've proven it, not because I've earned it, but because I just, because I'm going to choose to know that. Because guess what? I was born whole and complete. And at some point I just decided I was not like, and I'm using all this proof to validate that assumption. Like, can I? And so anyway, it's, it's a perceptual shift. And I do a lot to break it down in the book to make it a practice because I think you can feel into, oh, wow. Yeah. Because mm. here's the contrast. Here's the difference. If I were to say, yeah, you know, and so I don't really think you're good enough. And I don't think you're good enough to be doing a podcast. <gasps> Do you feel it? Did you feel that little like, oh, ah, right? And so you immediately want to be like, oh, my God. Ah, and I want to prove. And I want to show. And I want to defend. By the way, I don't think that at all. But I'm no, just, just, I oh. like laugh because I'm like, honey, I know I'm good at podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> You're like, okay, that one doesn't trigger me because I know that. It doesn't trigger me. Try again. <laughs> like, let's try another one. Okay, but perfect, perfect example. Yeah. So do you see how, like, yeah. there are things that we choose to know and then there are things that we choose mm. to believe and it's the things we choose to believe that require proof. Mm. See, I find that really interesting. Like, I love that. I think that perfectly explains, like, the difference between knowing and believing. And then that just, like, triggers me to want to sit and think about, okay, why do I know that I'm good at podcasting, but then um, like I don't know those other areas where I feel that resistance, even though in those other areas, you know, let's say, for example, I'm not yet a seven figure business owner, but I believe I will be one day, but I wouldn't say that it's like that depth of knowing. I mean, okay, there is depth of knowing. I know if I keep on going with how I'm going now, but you know what I mean? Like there's there's doubts and there's, uh, there's doubts that does come up still with that bigger leap. Whereas where I'm at with podcasting, I think I've been doing it for so long and I'm so, I've had that like, uh, external validation. I'm a big one. Like external validation really pushes me forward. Um, so I think because there's proof in my experience, there is that just greater sense of knowing. But when you're yet to have that proof in your experience of actually obtaining that thing that you want to work towards, I feel like that's where the gap is. Yeah. And you know bit. what? Yeah. You're absolutely, you know what? And there's so much goodness here. And mm. so what I like to consider when we get that 
when we get that validation, like because of how we're wired as humans, it's very healthy and we actually need feedback. We need that sense of validation to know that we're connected. Mm. And that's a very, very, very life-giving, very necessary primitive thing that we need mm. where I kind of, I kind of turn the word validation and I use it when I say feedback. And so instead of, you know, we, we're going to get accolades, we're going to get all this stuff and it's going to feel amazing. We love it and, and it feels great, but we have to be careful not to conflate it as proof that we're good enough, but that it's feedback that we're on the right path, that we're clued into something. And I would bet that your knowing of your ability in podcasting is because you feel so much flow when you're mm. doing this. So going back, so yeah. you're naturally not sustaining much resistance in your equation in the, as we're going through this. And so it's that feeling of flow that's giving you that hunch that, oh, I'm onto something. And so it's going to be mm -hmm. easier to claim that. Now, knowing is really claimed unconditioning. So is it accurate to say, well, you're using this feeling of flow to claim your knowing? It's like, okay, we can split hairs here. But there gets to be a point where you're just going to have to get down to the root, root question, which is, can you choose to know that you're whole and complete? And that's the big one. Because everybody wants to like, I'll do that as soon as I make more money. I'll do that as soon as I get into a relationship. It's like, well, no, because now you've just made it conditional, right? And so mm. really where it's most important that we attend to it is, is in choosing to know our wholeness and completeness. Mm, I love that you say that because that brings me back to when I first started my business. So um, it was 2020 when I was in uh, my architecture degree, I was studying my master's and I was working in the industry as well. And I just had this like sense of knowing that that was not for me. I have to change paths. Like I'm being called and I started my podcast, right? And so I was called to like stepping into this space and stepping into the coaching space. And so I chose in that moment to like know that I was going to succeed. I chose to like put that confidence in myself. And I think that that choice is such a powerful thing that we forget that we can do. Yeah, that mm. is, I, yes, you that's, that's it. I, I love that example. I mean, you knew, you just knew. And so you moved off and that, and that's feeling it out. So going back mm -hmm. full circle, that is a perfect example of feeling it out, right? Because your plan mm -hmm. might've been, well, this wasn't my strategy. This wasn't my plan. And in fact, if I continue on with architecture and all the things, like I, I will have the happy, good life, but yeah. like for what, if you're not, if you're not feeling it. Mm -hmm. And so that's a perfect example of feeling it out, not figuring it out. I love how full circle this conversation has been. Like we have done the full loop all the way back to that very first point we started with about feeling rather than thinking. And yeah. so I think this is probably the perfect point to start to close off our episode then because otherwise I'm going to be opening another whole loop and be talking to you. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. But this has been such an incredible conversation, Amy. I am most certainly going to be grabbing hold of your yeah. book, Living on Purpose, as well, because, um, I mean, this whole conversation, this is so in alignment with what I need right now and what I'm curious about learning more about. So do you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about your book, where they can find it and yeah. all of that in case they're interested in it also? Yeah, absolutely. So the good news is, is your Australian distributor does have it Booktopia. So if you go into any bookstore, um, if it's not already ordered, you can request that they order it. It's Living on Purpose, Five Deliberate Choices to Realize Fulfillment and Joy by Amy Elisa Wong. So that that's an option. Amazon, clearly that's, that's, that's an easy one. Everybody tends to get everything off Amazon these days. 
Well, what we'll do is we'll put the link so then they can grab it off Amazon um, into the episode description and we'll also put all of your other links to your socials. But where is the best place for someone to find you if they do want to connect with you first? Yeah, you know, I thank you. I so I I am not super great at social media and but I do hang out a lot on LinkedIn. I don't know if LinkedIn is a big thing for you, but I've got a lot of activity there. Um, it's mainly because of the nature of my business and because I work with a lot of companies. I have not been very great at being consistent on Instagram. I do have an Instagram account and I'm kind of I'm trying to feel into wanting to do that versus feeling like I should be doing that. And so that's, that's a bit of a journey for me. But you can find me there, Amy Elisa Wong on Instagram. Feel free to follow. Not super consistent, but go ahead. Uh, LinkedIn and then my website. My website is alwaysonpurpose.com. Lots of stuff there. Lots of interviews and lots of articles and lots more information. And that practice I was mentioning. So you can sign up for that text practice. However, it's probably not international. So I got to look into that. App is coming. App is coming. Yeah, you have to let us know when the app does come. We'll plug it onto the episode as well. Um, But no, I think that you're absolutely incredible and you have such a depth of wisdom that I'm so grateful for you sharing with us today. And um, I do have one more thing to ask you, which I do ask all of my guests on this podcast. And what is one final piece of empowering advice you'd love to leave our listeners with today? Mm. Well, you know what? Let's just continue to full circle this. And I would say, you know, if you really want to get to the heart of what it's going to take to thrive, it really is that relationship you have with yourself. And all that other stuff is going to feel shiny. Oh, yeah, but if I go through this program and if I do this certification or if I get this, maybe that's going to do. Actually, you know, it's if we really want to get to the heart of it and cut right to the chase to truly create a life that we love and just truly be on purpose, it's, it's, it's really about the relationship you have with yourself. Mm, what a beautiful way to end the episode Amy thank you again I really I I was so in flow in this session because I do (laughs) everything that you shared with me today and I cannot wait to get my hands on a copy of your book I will be reading it myself I'll be giving it to my partner to read himself and I will be sure to share it with all of my clients and I have no doubt that our podcast listeners will be checking it out as well so thank you so much for your time and your energy today thank you so much this has been such a pleasure So that's a wrap on another episode of the Empower With Them podcast. If you want more from me, then make sure you come say hi over on Instagram at Empower With Em and let me know your thoughts on this episode. And if you love the podcast, then don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review to help us grow this platform. Now, before you go, I'm going to leave you with one final question to sit with and take action on stepping away from today's episode. How can you go out into the world today and do something small that will empower those around you in some way? Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming along and I'll see you next episode.